You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Well, good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, March 21st, Thought Leadership Tuesday. I want to say a shout out to influencer, uh, agent BZR, uh, Tim Lynch, Shadows Pub. So good to have you here today. And uh, we are, uh, you know, I, I wanted to actually start off um, by reading um, something that, oh, I, 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 I see I probably should have cut it off as well, but uh, Anne Levitman-Greenberg, um, <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I just, I, I should shout out to Anne. Um, I should have maybe just cut that off, but that's where I found it as well. Um, I absolutely love this, so I'm going to read it to you. Uh, a violinist played for 45 minutes on the New York City subway. A handful of people stopped. A few clapped, and the violinist took about a $30 tip. No one knew it, but the violin violinist was Joshua Bell, one of the best musicians in the world. In that subway, Joshua Bell played one of the most complicated pieces ever written with a violin worth $3.5 million. And two days earlier, he played in the subway, and even then, not many people appreciated his skills. Joshua Bell has sold out a Boston theater and seats averaged about $100. The experiment proved that the extraordinary does not shine in an ordinary setting and is so often overlooked and undervalued. 
There are brilliantly talented people everywhere who do not receive the recognition and rewards they deserve. However, as soon as they equip themselves with appreciation and confidence and remove themselves from, from an environment that does not serve them, they flourish and grow. And then it continues. Your gut is telling you something. Listen to it, blah, blah, blah. And you actually see a couple of um, um, screenshots as well. Oh, there's the rest of it. Your gut is telling you something. Listen to it when it tells you where you are is not enough. Go where you are appreciated and valued. Uh, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot in that. There's a lot in the story as well. Also, um, hello to, did I say Shadows Pub, uh, Christopher Praxim. Um, there's a lot to unpack in that statement, right? Um, let's begin with this idea that being the smartest person in the room doesn't always mean you're going to be the most successful. Um, I was book smarts. I uh, was essentially top of my class at college. Um, I got a bunch of class medals, Dean's Merit List, for at least the last two years of my four honors, uh, my honors degree, my undergraduate degree. I really came into my own and realized that, you know, marketing was was who I was and meant to be. Um, and some of you have heard the story before. Morning, Billy. Some of you have heard the story before. And by the way, if you just came in a little bit late, just look at the story that, that I'm referencing in the cafe chat. Amazing. That's what I'm kind of referencing. And so um, it was career day. And I remember Anderson Consulting, which is now Accenture, and U Unilever was the big one. They all came and they interviewed us. And um, I went, I had a buddy who was, uh, played rugby, um, for uh, University of Cape Town, uh, I mean, he was he was the brawn and I was the brain. In in you know, it's like you know, Mutt and Jeff, you know, Pinky and the brain. Um, and you know, he would just like copy my notes and you know, and, and we worked together. He's still one of my best friends. Um, and uh, like I was kind of the nerd, I suppose, and he was the jock. And um, he got he actually ended up getting a job at Unilever. And he got a bunch of callbacks. I never got one, not one callback. Out of eight or nine interviews, um, I got nothing. And uh, we even joked that I was wearing what we called my rejection suit because it was over like two or three days. And I'm like, well, yep, I'm going to wear the rejection suit today. It was like these weird maroon pants. Um, it was like, I mean, probably I deserve to get rejected based on wearing maroon pants. Um, whether I went in overconfident or not, and maybe I did, the fact is, book smarts was not enough. I needed street smarts. I needed diversity. I needed perspective. I needed not just to be a, a one-trick pony of someone who just, you know, was, was the most, let's say I was the most talented, but I didn't make it through. And that was a huge coming down to earth for me. It was my first major, I would say, rejection. Um, and I had to, like, deal with that um, and and live with that and and move forward and use that to propel me, but there are so many talented people that don't make it. You know, I I I joke when I talk about this in a, in a presentation. I go, there are so many crap ideas that end up like getting unbelievable funding and success. Facebook, you know, I mean, like uh, I you know that's just partly a joke, but but you know. We've seen so many brilliant, brilliant ideas and people and plans and startups, and they never make it. They never see the light of day. And then there's so much mediocrity that does make it. And in many respects, in many respects, it's um, 
it's uh, um, the, the Matthews effect. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. The people born with silver spoons in their mouths, the people that have the networks, the people that have the connections are the ones that make it, that are part of, that are in the machine, that are in the flow, and the others are always on the outside looking in. Um, and that's another way to think about it. Um, and, and, and it's unfair and life is unfair, um, but that doesn't mean you give up. Um, and it doesn't mean that you throw in the towel. And then you have this story with this violinist um, that actually shows you that, uh, I mean, it's, it's um, what's that movie called with, uh, with not 48 Hours, Trading Places, Trading Places with uh, Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy. I think it was Nick Nolte. Was it Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy? No, it was Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. Um, that actually shows you, or Undercover Boss, all of these they're all part of the same premise that actually shows you that when you don't, uh, I'll give you one more. I mean, we've got a bunch of people here in talent, you know, in, in our group today um, is that, um, and, and I've, I've told you the story, I think before as well, I'll tell it again. Um, I was at Shire day and, uh, and I was, I was at the time I was, um, you know, I was unhappy I was the digital guy. I was in charge of digital. We were being unbundled into OMD, which is the Omnicom, I don't even know what it stands for, Omnicom Media something. They were rolling up all of their respective agency media departments and assets into one media company. It was part of a big trend. You see it now all the time. Um, you know, in all of these, uh, all of these uh, holding companies have their, you know, mind share is WPP and, you know, IPG, I don't even know what they're called, media brands or something like that. Um, and uh, so they all, you know, I didn't want to separate or be detached from the creative side of the business. I was uh, a strategist and account planner. You know, that's who I was. And whilst I I enjoyed the media component, I was interactive media director, I knew that for media to thrive, especially in digital, you couldn't disconnect it from the creative and the strategic parts of the business. But anyway, long story short, um, you know, I, I'd been approached by Universal McCann uh, to potentially, you know, be headhunted. And I was, you know, doing what everyone does. You know, I was wearing a suit to work and people would be like, funeral or a job interview, ha, ha, ha. And I was like, no, 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 I just thought I would dress up for work today, whatever. But, you know, but, but I was going for job interviews, you know, during lunch hour, whatever the case may be, taking a, taking a sick day or whatever. And, uh, and I w- they were passing me from partner to partner and, you know, making me feel very important. And, and then I got laid off. I got laid off um, from Shite Day slash OMD. It was, it was a shock to me. Um, but it was probably, when I look back on it, inevitable. Why? Because there were five media directors, all interactive media directors from DDB, Tribal DDB, Rap Digital, uh, BBDO, Shite Day, all of us moving into, into one department. And guess what? There was, only ro- there was only room for one interactive media director. Well, it wasn't going to be me with... 4% of the total billings. We had absolute, we had a little bit of Kmart. Um, it was going to be, now that, you know, now with wisdom, it was going to be Sean Finnegan, who, uh, like, it's crazy how life 
turns out he passed away a couple years ago um just just suddenly just dropped dead and really nice guy and you know he was on my show um it's just crazy how how life you know the twists and turns of life but sean was from ddb and sean had a bunch of clients including but not limited to mcdonald's he represented probably 35 or 40 percent of the media dollars so if you think about it who do you give the job to? You should give it to the person that has the media dollars and therefore the client relationships, as opposed to the most talented person. I'd like to believe I was, but maybe I wasn't. But let's just assume for a second that I was. And um, and that's what happened. What happened was uh, I was passed over and let go. So, you can imagine the first call I made was to Universal McCann. Hey, guys, great news. I'm a free agent. So much less complicated now. You know, I, you know, uh, this whole Omnicom thing, it wasn't really for me anyway. And, um, you know, and I, I'm all yours. Black hole of marketing. Never heard from them again. Suddenly I was damaged goods. Suddenly the benefit of the doubt was given to the company, not to the talent. Um, I, was, I, was, I was now tarnished, and I never heard from them again. Ironically, I've since uh, built amazing friendships and relationships with at least two or three of the people that were interviewing me, um, and they're, they're friends today. But that was just the game, and that was the nature of the game. Why do bad things happen to good people? That is a, a more existential, more spiritual, even religious, uh, theological, spiritual, whatever, uh, you know, concept. Why do bad guys sometimes, uh, f- you know, do better? Why do nice guys or girls or, you know, people, humans, why do nice people uh, finish lost? Why do good? And, and of course, the answer is they don't or they shouldn't. <clears throat> but in this case of the story today uh, with a violinist, um, here you have unbelievable talent with this three and a half million. I mean, you know, the, if I'm being really cynical here, I'd say like, can you imagine like some, uh, you know, some scammer or some, you know, uh, thief or whatever, or even even, you know, someone in the subway, like being able to just, steal the violin for no reason and probably not even realize that it's three and a half million dollars. But it just shows you, you know, on one level, we know the the adage, don't judge a book by its cover, right? Um, In Web3, we might say, do your own research. We might actually be able to articulate the fact that things are not always as they seem. If things seem to be too good to be true, they generally are. But the flip side is this idea of do your own research. Do your own due diligence. And it's not necessarily even meant to be uh, from a financial standpoint. It's meant to be based on the fact that, that we live in this world now where we live in a filtered world. You know, we, we've discussed this before as well. Like, even if you think about the concept of the PFP, we've had this discussion, you know, in, um, in uh, Collective Cafe 
even if we look around, we've got giraffes and we've got cats and we've got AI avatar Andy Worrells and you know, uh, and well, I'm still not even sure who you are, um, but I do love the art. Um, and you know, and 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 we've got like two thirds or three quarters of of Peggy, but she's drinking coffee, <clears throat> which I am too at the moment. So that's why I love voice. But even voice can mislead. They said the voice is the window to your soul. You can't actually fake authenticity um, with, with voice as your footprint, but actually you can. Last night I, I was at a, a networking event. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've realized, so you've seen how I've, um, I'm trying to get Elon Musk to come on my show to meet Elon Musk. And some of the comments are like, like, dude, he's a deep fake. I'm like, no, I actually was talking to him. I've got the video. I was talking to him. Look, you know, it's like, oh, well, he could be using a filter. I'm like, the guy, the guy lives in China he barely speaks English. We're both using our Google Translate. I'm telling you that he's not a deep fake. It's not a, this elaborate ruse, you know, with all this fancy technology just to dupe Joseph Jaffe. I mean, it's just not. I mean, if the guy was an absolute deep fake and he had the tools and the technology and the means and the translators, um, I'm sure that Elon Musk, he would have met Elon Musk a long time ago. But people are A, so cynical and skeptical first of all we don't believe anything and anyone anymore or we do and we're so completely gullible and duped but when it comes to this idea of the cynical right we don't believe we don't the other problem is we don't know what to believe we don't know who to believe one of the things that i remember you know on clubhouse in the clubhouse days and and people like myself and mitch joel we used to say this is Go and research the person before Clubhouse. Who were they? What did they do? Do they have a track record? Go Google them. Find out who they were before Clubhouse, as opposed to being lured in and tricked by 40,000, 50,000, 100,000, a million followers. I'm not going to lie. I was tricked by it as well. I don't think I ever had more than 4,000 followers on Clubhouse. And I produced great content. I did. I ran rooms. I hosted rooms on branding, on marketing, on mindfulness, on, on pivoting. Um, so what's going on here? How are there people with millions of followers? Well, we kind of know the answer. They were on recommended follow lists and they were, you know, when you joined Clubhouse, you automatically followed certain people. Like at the time, Bomani, who actually has been on my show and is a wonderful guy and a true creator. But Bomani was the one of the, I think he was the first, if not one of the first icons. And so everybody that started on Clubhouse was now following him. But I would be running a room and someone would pop into the room and I'm like, holy crap. 45,000 followers, let's invite them up to the stage. Why? Because once they were on the stage, that brought in their followers. I remember when Bomani came to my stage for the first time. I went from, I don't know, 70 people in the room to like 1,400. And so I'm talking about it. I was fooled by it too. 
and lulled into it by being able to judge people. I mean, you know, in, in defense to all of us, what do you do when you're running a room and you're multitasking and you're looking at bios and you're trying not to get kind of like Zoom bombed or, you know, or, or like someone coming up screaming obscenities and, and, and misogynistic or racist statements, you know, and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So you look at followers. Followers becomes like, an, well, they clearly got to be substantial because, you know, they're like kind of a big deal. And so you bring them up as opposed to this person's been on Clubhouse for four days, um, but they've got a, you know, doctorate from MIT, but you wouldn't even know that because they probably don't even know how to set up their bio. And so what happens? You actually end up then with a new kind of series of scam, you know, going on in a Clubhouse because... Friends helping friends helping friends, little cabals, little you know back back store uh, you know back channels. Things are not always as they seem. I'm not saying I have an answer for any of this, um, but I would hope, for example, that you coming to this first of all been doing it since August, and I think you would probably if you don't know who I am and don't get a sense of who I am, and don't know what I can bring to the table after coming into the room, you know, one time, five times, 10, 20, 50, 100 times, then you may never know who I am. But let's just unpack that slightly. Where was I before this? Did I just somehow miraculously arrive on the scene? One trick pony. Where was I before this? What have I done? Am I Googleable? You know, Am I ask Chat GPT who I am? And so and so there is substance and there is experience and track record that backs me up. I shouldn't have to be able to say, hey, hey, listen to me, choose me. I'm important. I'm kind of a, a big deal. You shouldn't have to do that. But the reason why I'm even bringing this up is just to kind of use me as an example. I believe there should be a thousand people in the room right now, not because I'm trying to build a media empire, not because I need to feel self-important, but because I feel these conversations are important. I feel these moments are important. I feel that that I learn from them. I feel that these are these are the kinds of quality conversations that would help more people if they were here. There's no cost to come here. It's free. But again, just because I might be, in my own mind, pure of intention and pure of heart doesn't necessarily mean the audience will follow or the size or the scale will be there. This is just the way of the world. The way of the world is that there is content and there is context. And <clears throat> in the case of this violinist, one of the most talented violinists in the world, Joshua Bell, playing in a subway and almost being treated just like every other creator, let's call them creators, playing in the subway. Now, let's just, let's just assume he wasn't the Joshua Bell. Let's assume he just actually was this undiscovered unbelievable talent, clearly not playing with it, playing with a three and a half million dollar violin, you would hope that there was the ability in this world for an agent to be walking past that day 
or a talent scout and go, oh my God, you need to be playing, you know, we need to get you to Carnegie as quickly as possible. But we don't really have those means and mechanisms. To this day, I dream of that for me. I dream that the person sitting next to me on the plane or, or you know, in the elevator um, says, Sonny, at 52, I'm going to make you a star. But that's romantic. It's idealistic. It's a little naive. Um, it's, uh, it, it is unrealistic. The reality is for most of us, We've got to just put our heads down and work as hard as we possibly can. And actually the conversation, um, great conversation that I had yesterday with Matt Thielman, who just wrote a book called This Is Coaching, really loved the conversation. And I'm actually going to read his book. Um, I'm going to get him into Discord soon. And, and I really recommend that you, when the show goes live, that you watch it um, and and uh, consider buying the book, but just come and have the conversation. We just spoke about, you know, moments of courage, moments of courage in terms of being able to stick your neck out and, and be able to not, not so much take a chance, but put yourself, put yourself out there and not be afraid to fail or accept the consequences, you know, of being able to, to fail. I just thought it was uh, an amazing conversation. And, and the reality is I, I do believe, of course I believe, um, that we will have the ability, you know, to, to recognize and reward ourselves, uh, each other, help each other. You know, the idea, we spoke about this idea, um, you know, that w courage is this might not work versus certainty, you know, this idea that let's try it just one more time versus the definition of insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And, you know, what he said was this idea of, uh, of how do you reconcile this idea of not giving up and just keep going and keep going with this idea of insanity? And the answer is you mix it up. You try something new. You keep on... You know, you keep on testing and learning and experimenting. Um, that's how you do it. And many of you have heard me, you know, talk about this idea of um, what, I, what do I say? The, an overnight success, three years in the making, five years in the making, 10 years in the making, 20 years in the making. Um, that's how life works. And yet there are people who, uh, who struggle just chronically. Um, yesterday, my, my son found out that he didn't make an internship. And he was, he was upset. He was crushed. He was mortified. When I spoke to him, he was okay. He was a little bit more pragmatic. And I said to him, here's what you got to do. Now you email them and you say, I'm obviously disappointed that I wasn't selected, but I would love to learn what I can work on. What can I do that would improve my candidacy moving forward and in a similar type of position? And or uh, I would love to know, based on the people that you selected to the next round, what did they have that I didn't? What did they bring to the table that I didn't? Now, 
you know, what we were debating and discussing was nothing comes easy to us. You know, my wife and I were talking about this. Nothing comes easy to our kids. And there are other people, they just, everything just falls into their laps, just falls, just like manna from heaven. Everything just, just miraculously is always just, there's no struggles. There's no bumps in the road. I don't know what life, I'm asking genuinely, which is better? I don't know. Would you rather live a life without any bumps, bruises, twists, turns, um, rejections and failures, where just everything falls into your lap? Or one where you struggle uh, and grind and, you know, and, and work your ass off and, and, and fail, you know, and, and maybe, I'm not saying the end point is the same. You may ne- the end point may be that you always live that life. Which is better? You know, the inheritance, winning the Powerball, or, you know, always having to, as my mother would have said, if you take care of the pennies, the pounds will take care of themselves. I certainly believe that the latter will allow more character, will promote more character building in terms of, and more appreciation of that goal, of that achievement, when you've worked so hard and sacrificed so hard for it, should you have to work so hard and sacrifice it, uh, sacrifice so much for it? No, you shouldn't either. Everyone is different. Everyone has a different path. Everyone has a different fate and a different story and a different journey. It's just the way it is. And so, and so, I don't know. I don't know why, uh, why my son. You know what might actually transpire in the end? This was generally um, for juniors and seniors, and he's a sophomore. It may just be like, you know what? You were one of the strongest candidates, but we really were told to focus on juniors and seniors. And I said to him, it also may be that they needed, um, they didn't have enough women. And that, you know, whether this is me saying, right, whether you like it or not, we have to acknowledge and we have to pour into a more diverse, a more equitable and a fairer distribution uh, of opportunities, especially for people that have been discriminated against and treated unfairly and have not had the same privilege that we might have had. And sometimes, you know, the counter-argument, not to get, you know, political or or whatever, but the argument can be like, look, I, I, I'm, you know, I'll just use the example. I am a poor, uneducated white man. I haven't done anything wrong to anyone else. Why am I not getting the opportunities? And part of the answer is, I don't know, part of the answer is it's tough or tough. It, it's hard. Again, life is not fair. It isn't, you know. Um, a, a rich white man versus a poor white man are a world apart. And to be lumped together as white men is unfair, and, and it isn't. So all of this, you know, these are just my thoughts randomly and, and you know, um, about Joshua the violinist. Overlooked, 30... 
30 bucks if you read if you read that the cafe the cafe chat the cafe chat um he took about a what is that? a handful of people stopped and clapped and the violence took about a 30 dollar tip 30 dollars when one of his seats averages a hundred dollars and he sells out all the time you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and and, and research him and see if I can get him on the show and talk to him. I just, what questions would you ask Joshua Bell? Just think about that for a second. What would you ask him? I suppose, I suppose I would ask him, I'm thinking, like, how did it make you feel? You know, did it make you feel worthless? Did it make you feel that you were, in a way, a fraud? or that you were in a position where everybody adores you, but take you out of your um, fancy life, and now you're a nothing? Uh, did it make you feel smug? Um, as in these, these poor, you know, poor sods, they have no idea who I am. You know, it's the concept of, again, you know, like, let, let's talk about Undercover Boss for a moment. The CEO dresses up, and goes and chats to all of their uh, his or her employees and and of course you don't you don't see the edits where they go that you know son of a bleep you know that you know like they're a tyrant uh they're a moron they just got the job because because of daddy i'm sure we don't see those edits if at all but You know, these are people that go incognito and in many respects they find out whether the emperor has any clothes or not. They find out who they really are. When when they that's why the show works, by the way. The show works for two reasons. Because there's there's a truth there, there's an insight there. Wouldn't you like to be the fly in the wall? Wouldn't you like to be listening in on a conversation? with your exes talking about you or your boss talking about you or, you know, or a Discord server talking about, wouldn't you love to be able to eavesdrop? Um, you know, if you were a kid, remember the kids? Like, who didn't want to be invisible? We all wanted to be invisible. Walk through walls but be invisible. You know, when you were like a young boy, you're probably not that young, but you probably would be like, I'd go into the girls' changing rooms. And when you got got older, probably I'd be like, you know, I'd go and, you know, get stock tips or whatever. What would you do if you were invisible? What would you do if um, if you were able to actually strip off all the layers and find out what people really thought? How would you change? I mean... There's one easy way to get through that, and that's just, I guess, it's just not put on layers and, you know, and uh, I'm not knocking the PFP, but masks and whatever the case may be. Just be yourself. What you see is what you get. Or to be in a relationship or, or have a boss or have people that report into you where you can just say what you think and say what you feel. I don't know if you've, you know, I... I've told you that that when somebody disagrees with me on a panel, 
um, I don't respond to them. It's like my thing. Unless they ask me, well, what do you think, Joe? Or the moderator says, would you like to respond to that? I don't feel I need to. I said X, they said Y, let the audience make their minds up. Maybe I'm naive, an idealist again, idealistic I should say, because often we just remember the last thing that somebody said to us. That's why in a presentation they say, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them and then tell them what you just told them. We need repetition, that's why advertising is, is still exists. People are lazy. People don't do their own research. People took a million people on Clubhouse followers on face value. So many people on Clubhouse were not on Twitter before. Just starting out. They set up Twitter accounts. They had a million followers on Clubhouse, but 100 people initially on Twitter. Now, by the way, the corollary of that is that doesn't mean that they're, they don't have worth. So both biases and prejudices, prejudices exist. It's, it's almost like, um, like being able to say, oh, you haven't been around for 20, 30 years, therefore you have no value or substance. That's not true at all. In many respects, the giant influences of NFT Twitter and, uh, you know, in the NFT space are these 22 and 23-year-old bros. Take it, you know, take it from whence it comes. You know, we've got to get rid of all these biases in our lives, all of these filters, all of these flags that, that you know, that allow us to prejudge as hard as it may be. If we're in the subway and we hear Joshua Bell performing, we should have the ability to know that something special is happening here or something fishy is going on. I saw, um, oh man, what was it called? Blind Ambition, Blind Ambition on the plane uh, coming back now from where was i south africa and and london it's uh it's a documentary a real documentary um about four uh, black men from zimbabwe they all essentially um you know Ill- i i guess i guess illegally but they they were all refugees i guess that's what i want to say um, they were refugees. They all um, essentially left Zimbabwe uh, to go to South Africa. All four of them became Somaliers, master Somaliers. And they form, I'm putting this in the back chat, they form a, uh, a Zimbabwean team and they go to the world blind tasting um world wine blind tasting competition in France they have to uh in in this actual competition um there are 12 wines that they have to identify 
all of them, all the teams, 26 teams, I believe, um, they have to identify the type of grape, the country, the region, the year, um, and the estate. I think those are the five. So, you know, it's a San Giovese. Like, so you've got to do, you've got to do like the, the wine, the, I mean, the grape, the, the year, the country, the region, and the estate. And it's like Cool Runnings. It's very similar to Cool Runnings. Um, on one on one hand, this I mean, again, it comes back to this idea of, I mean, so many so many levels. I forget the main point why I even brought up the movie. Uh, if anyone can help remind me, just stick it in the cafe chat. Um, but just you know, going back to uh, to this. You know, there, there are many things I could just say, just trying to like think about what my point was. Um, but this idea of going up against the odds, going up against biases in terms of who you are and what you can and what you can't do. Um, yeah, I forget exactly why I, I, I mentioned uh, the movie. Um, but, but go see it. <laughs> go see it. Um, this is what happens sometimes. I lose my train of thought. Most of the time I find it, but in this case... Um, I didn't. Um, but yeah, judging a book by its cover, you know, who would have expected an all Zimbabwean team of, of in this case, black men to take on some of the uh, best um, Somaliers in the world? And I won't tell you how they did or didn't do, etc. But it's 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 definitely a movie um, worth watching. Um, Oh, I see, it came back to me. I knew it would. Um, a sommelier should have the ability to tell... Imagine what, they, what these guys are doing. Any wine put in front of them that they can... That they even have a chance of being able to name... Hell, even just being able to determine if it's Malbec versus you know, a blend uh, is impressive to me. But if you've got the nose, if you've got the eye, if you've got the heart, if you've got the ear, if you've got the taste buds, if you've got the passion, if you've got the time, you should be able to sort the wheat from the chaff. You should be able to sniff out a scammer or a spammer. You should be able to trust your gut. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. You should be able to, in your business, be able to determine who has style and who has substance and who does not. Just like you have the ability to determine if you are being fed or handed a box wine or, you know, something from, or Camus. We should be able to do that. We in this room should be able to tell a great wine from a crap wine. But it's hard when our senses are dulled. It's hard when we are in artificial or contrived or environments that take us away from our baseline. And if there's any message or takeaway, I think, today, 
besides the don't judge a book by its cover, besides the strip away your biases, well, your opinion isn't important because you're 19 years old. If you want to win, if we want to win the talent wars, the only way to do that is to actually realize that the 20 or 21 or 22-year-old is not just going to sit and not say a word in a meeting and take notes diligently and put together a conference report. That's what I did when I was 25, 26, working at Ogilvy in New York. But the world is different now, and the world works differently. And so we've got to strip out all of these prejudices and biases that skew us um, and prevent us from living our unencumbered, free um, life without all these weights that hold us back from relationships, etc. I think that that's powerful. Can you imagine living every day and treating everyone that you come into contact with like they could be Warren Buffett in disguise or they could be a homeless person. And often the person that looks like a homeless person is Warren Buffett in disguise. That's, that's also part of the whole romance of storytelling that you often see. Hell, it's the story of... Um, what, was it Rumpelstiltskin or... or I'm trying to think, uh, who was it Snow, uh, Sleeping Beauty, or it's one of those Disney movies. The old, you know, um, no, I think it was Beauty and the Beast. It's the old hag that comes to the door that is shunned by the, by the prince and sneered at. And she turns him into the beast. And she was, in fact, an enchantress or a, or a you know, not a witch, but a, you know, That's the story. Judging, that's Beauty and the Beast. Don't judge a book by its cover. Take the time to get to know someone. But also do your own research. I mean, Gaston in Beauty and the Beast is the opposite. He looks fine. You know, he speaks eloquently. He has the silver tongue. Everyone, he's a magnet. Everyone is. Everyone gravitates towards him, but he's a giant fraud. Amazing what we can learn from Disney movies that apply to real life. This is the story of us being able to take the time to get to know one another. And and there's an little interesting twist too, which is, do we really know one another? Do we really know each other? Do you really know me? Bez, do you really know me? Do you think you know me? I, you, you know, if, you, if you're able to come up, answer the question. I would hazard a guess to, to say that that you do, or you think you do. But maybe you do, and maybe you don't. 
Maybe, maybe you've just seen one side of me. Maybe you've just uncovered the tip of the iceberg. Maybe I've only let you see a certain side of me. Maybe I'm manipulating you, and maybe I'm not. I mean, I would say in all, in all sincerity, when, you know, this, give, this man a met, give this man a POAP that he has to listen to me droning on every single day. That's a good way for me to explain to you that, that there is a POAP. Yesterday I gave blood. And uh, I'm happy to say that they let me take a photo, which I, uh, which I tweeted this morning. And the code for today is donate blood. Two words, all lowercase, donate blood. It's uh, the Pope is me. Uh, they let me hold my blood. It's kind of a bit weird. My little pint. Give it a, you know, a, a fake kiss. I love the fact, by the way, that, um, I mean, and we were talking about it yesterday, um, but the fact is that this, now I've donated 58 um, units, 58. Um, I'm on my, uh, my eighth, um, I'm on my seventh gallon right now, so I'm on my way to eight gallons, 58 units, lifetime. So that is your POEP today. Donate blood, which becomes available in about nine minutes. Um, Bez says, I think I know you. Well, that's a good answer. And then he said, I'm getting ready. I don't know if that means you're getting ready to conquer your day and take on your day, or uh, if it means you're just getting ready to come up. But I hope today was was an interesting um introspective right it is thought leadership tuesday so it's an opportunity to think to you know to reflect to introspect um how do you really know someone and from a thought leadership standpoint i think you get to know them through their content and through their consistency and other things as well like their receptivity how easy are they to contact you know, it, it, it just, it grates me that there are, you know, that, the, like, it's not that I, I don't have anything against them, but like the Brené Browns and the, and the Adam Grants, and there are certain people that are in a, um, in a, in a certain category, and you can't even find uh, uh, Tim Ferriss. They don't even have an email address. Like, I can't even find their email addresses. I can't even email them. And... Their DMs aren't open. They're just not accessible. And I understand why, that they're so popular and famous and, 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 probably, um, and probably are inundated with requests for jobs, help, investment, come on my show, can I come on your show, etc. But like for me, that's how you, that's how you, like, you know, that's how you, create that connection it is you know to put it as simply as i can if you take the chief marketing officer the fancy chief marketing officer working at mcdonald's it's i'm just going to use them as an example because we spoke about them earlier and they're at a conference and everybody wants to talk to them because it says 
Chief Marketing Officer McDonald's. You know, I, I, I often joke, it's like, and certainly for the woman, uh, and I'm proud to say that, that there are, uh, th- that 50% of the audience right now are female, which is amazing. Um, but, you know, it's the concept of um, when, you know, when someone's staring at you and you're like, uh, uh, eyes up, look at the face. Well, that's what happens at conferences. Everyone's looking at your midriff. And the reason is they're not, you know, whether you're male or female, they're just looking at your title and the company that you work for. They are essentially judging you like maybe someone would have judged Joshua Bell in the subway. Your worth, your your equity, your value, your potential is not defined by your title and the company you work for. It's defined by your 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 heart, your soul, your contribution, your intellect, your loyalty, your track record, your consistency, your integrity, your reputation. And so that person, the chief marketing officer of McDonald's, they get invited to all the parties and, oh, you know, we're, we, you know Michael Buble is going to, we're going to do a little meet and greet beforehand. And I get it. I understand. I, of course I understand. It's just sales 101. You're taking care of the people that take care of you. But what happens when that person no longer works at McDonald's? Do they still have, are they still invited to meet Michael Buble? Are they still being courted when it just says free agent, unemployed, spending more time with the family, which is always the euphemism in a press release to basically say they were fired or let go? Consultant. President Jaffe LLC. President Agent BZR. President Lynch Inc. President Shadows Pub Co. Founder C2M Consulting. Founder and head engineer Peggy LLC. SVP, Investment Strategy and Client Relationships. Jensa Inc. The fancy title with a, with a company that nobody knows is not necessarily grounds to have someone go, ooh, Shadows Pub, I've heard about you, as opposed to Tim Lynch, Managing Director, Merrill Lynch, it seemed like an easy one. And it's just because your name is there. Let's just say let's just say your name was Shadows Pub. First name, last name, Shadows Pub. President Uniqlo. So these are the biases that we have to be able to somehow eradicate. We may never get there. We may never get to the point where we genuinely can be at an event and a conference and have a conversation with anyone just based on substance and nothing else. Not what's in it for me, what can you do for me, but what can I do for you? Let me meet someone who is completely not like me, completely unlike me, 
let me let me take a moment instead of trying to work on my business card stack by getting acquiring as many CMOs as I can let me maybe spend some time and talk to the bartender or the waiter or someone who's on Michael Bublé's crew let me learn something from them And if we do that, then these stories of, you know, Joshua Bell in the subway almost be like, yeah, I don't believe that. It's funny. No one even said that. But I mean, I, I'm sure some people be like, is that real? Is that a deep fake? <laughs> is Elon Musk real? Did that really happen? It doesn't seem like it would have happened. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. Maybe another question I'd ask him is, whose idea was it? Why did you do this? What was the motivation? Many questions. And remember, the joy of life is to stay curious and ask many, many questions. Keep asking questions. Accept, but also question. Trust, but verify. Think about the equivalent of the SVP of marketing and McDonald's is the person with 10,000 followers, is the person with, with a Twitter profile that gets all the likes and the retweets and the comments. All is not what it appears. If you want to keep it real, you have to realize that so much of what we see and, and hear and feel and touch and taste is not real, but has been created for us, like we are Truman in the Truman Show. And if I leave you with anything today, um, very introspected um, session today, and please come up from time to time, and, and, and join me on stage. But it is this idea that actually says, you know, make, make your own minds up, but also realize that when we don't know who to turn to and who to trust anymore, we turn to our real friends and our real family and our real colleagues. And here's the best irony of them all. Analog and IRL could make a huge, huge return, just like the QR code. If I don't know that, that I mean, I do know uh, Bez, but Bez, could not, Bez could, could not be who he seems. Bez might not even be a male. How will we ever know in this world now of deep fakes and, and all of this smoke and mirrory what is real and who is real well the answer is IRL show up see someone and put the name to the face and the face to the name we always say that oh it's so good to put a face to the name but now we're going to actually end up this perfect way to end it's so great to put a body to the avatar there's your tweetable moment folks <laughs> it's so great to put a body 
to the avatar. I'll leave it at that. Donate blood is your code. Go and uh, and uh, and uh, today's a special poem. I think I'm glad you were all here with me. Um, I think I think a lot of interesting stuff was discussed, and uh, we have uh, ten days to go to get our twenty people in the audience. Do it with me. Help me. Help. Help us. Let's help each other. Let's. Let's figure it out together. Probably today, I would say, there was probably about 10 or 11 people coming in and out at uh, different points. That's how coffee shops should work, by the way. Anyway, have an amazing, amazing day, and we will see you tomorrow. I've already got something planned for Wellness Wednesday, but if you have any stories, headlines, just stick them in the cafe chat, and I'll be only too happy to bring them into the conversation. Bye, everyone. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.